Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day in a conversation that brings state leaders to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join in the conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host for this morning's edition. Uh, today, as normal, we will not only be taking your calls, but we also have our chat room open. This gives you two vehicles in which to participate. I am a little shorthanded, though, today, so the, my switchboard operator is not in, so I'll be doing both. But if you have a question and you want to call in, you dial 1-347-989-8904, and then you press number 1, and that will indicate in the switchboard that you have a question. I will put you on the line. I'll probably identify you by your last four numbers of your telephone number. Uh, or if you're, you're in the chat room, you can just type in a question. I will look at it and try to get it over to our guest today. Um, uh, it's January, and at this time of the year, normally right after a state of state, those of us in education and in government start to look to the future because that's when the governor gave his state of the state uh, and we just try to prepare for what the year is ahead. Um, the governor gave his state of the state last week. Uh, uh, my guest today with me is Mike Vrancic, NJSBA's Director of uh, Governmental Relations. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, Ray. Uh, Mike, I know you went to the, 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 the state of the state, and also I know both of us had the opportunity to hear Steve Sweeney last week, so we kind of heard both ends of the spectrum. Um during the state of state, he didn't really get into too much depth about a lot of the issues. But is it fair to say, like the big issues that most school districts are dealing with, which are like the teacher evaluations, uh, Common Core, Park, uh, those are things that really passed a few years ago, and we're just in the implementation stages now. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a pretty accurate assessment. A lot of the a lot of the issues are are ultimately related to to how much money districts are going to have to spend both from state aid appropriations and also from from their balances and 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 what they're able to raise with their levies. So it's 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 an issue of setting priorities and figuring out how much some of these things are going to cost based on what the original calculations were and and how much they have right now. Um, let's just go over each one of those because uh, I don't expect you don't uh, do you expect any legislation in the area of park or Common Core that the governor would sign, or even teacher evaluations. I know we've been with teacher evaluations. We keep changing the, some of the regs, but well, in the original uh, Teach NJ Act, there was a provision that would have required that the new assessments, uh, the park assessments, would have been used uh, to to bring about 30% of the of the uh teacher evaluation um that subsequently was was the subject of legislation that was introduced back last spring and 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 discussed in in both houses and ultimately uh there was a compromise reached where the governor agreed to reduce the initial um uh, the initial percentage to 10% and he created a study commission, which is in the process of scheduling public hearings to further discuss this. So right now, Park will be used as as a, 
only 10% of, of the, 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 the teacher's uh, summative evaluation. Uh, and and these things are probably over the course of the year we will be discussing them, but uh, as for current legislation, there's nothing new to change any of that at the moment. I mean, no, not right now. The, the, the bill that was introduced that would have slowed down the implementation of, of PARC and, and, and eliminated the, the, the use of the assessment for teacher evaluation, at least in the short term, is still pending. And uh, unless the, there isn't a satisfactory arrangement devised by this study commission, um, it, it's unlikely that that legislation is going to move forward. We're, we're literally weeks away from the implementation of PARC, so um, that probably won't get slowed down. The discussion about how much, if any, of the of the of the test results will be used for the teacher evaluation could still be legislated, but it doesn't seem likely at the moment. So it probably would be after the park test, and I guess the results and the impact, uh, we might see some action depending on what happens with the park results. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's possible. I think that that. It, the the solution that's been that's been worked out between the governor's office and the legislature is essentially this study group and and uh, the results that that they come up with based on public input they're now seeking and 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 the deliberations that they've engaged in for the last several weeks will will dictate what happens later on but i i i don't think there will be a legislative intervention at this point um you indicated earlier about the State aid. Uh, the governor in the state of the state did reference that he has given historic state aid numbers uh, to schools the past four years. Uh, what's the outlook for this year? I mean, I, I think right now it's very difficult to speculate. Um, we haven't heard a lot from, from the Treasury Department about where the state's revenues are. Back in the fall, there was some minor minor bumps. The 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 shortfall that that rolled into this year from last year was was increased from roughly 300 million to nearly 600 million. So that reduces current current surpluses in, in this year. Um, right now, I guess everybody's really waiting on the final numbers for for the Christmas shopping season and and what the sales tax revenues were. Um, that's the state's second biggest revenue, and then. The, the income tax revenue, which which really doesn't isn't final until April 15th, is is the the biggest single revenue, and that's that's what largely funds state school aid. We won't have final numbers until probably late April or early May. But right now, there doesn't seem to be a sense that there's a lot of new money in in, in place. So um, I think everybody's hoping for at least a continuation of what what was budgeted in the current year at the district level, but um, we're just waiting to see. The governor will give his budget address, I guess, uh, the last week of February, and, and, and the actual numbers or, or the, 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 the governor's assumptions about revenues and, and how he funds public education will be released at that time. Uh, does the governor, uh, in putting his budget together, is it uh – there's two questions I want to ask you. Uh, one, is there an obligation to fund the pension somewhat, uh, make more contributions to it? I know that's he had to pull out of that last year. Yeah, that, that's been a huge discussion, and I think that um, back in, in, in 2011 when, when uh, Chapter 78 was passed, 
in addition to to reforming the 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 healthcare uh, provisions, the pension actuarial requirements that the state hadn't been making were were supposed to be paid in over a seven year phase in until we reached a point seven years hence where where the the, the state would be meeting the actuarial requirements on an annual basis. That worked for the first year or so, and then the governor, because of, of, of revenue problems, opted not to make all those payments. So right now there's somewhere between a $2.4 and $2.6 billion looming payment for, for, for last year and this year, and, and it remains to be seen what will happen moving forward. Um, it doesn't seem likely that, that there will be the full payment made unless the state has a surprising increase in revenues. Um, I'm saying that because there's also an underfunding of the of the school aid formula. Um, last last spring during the appropriations hearings, the education commissioner testified that the funding formula was underfunded by a minimum of a billion dollars, and some people have speculated that it's it's, it's closer to 1.5 billion. So the the issue of funding. School aid is directly related to whether or not the governor is or is willing to or can fund the, the the actuarial requirements for the pension system. So these are pretty big numbers, and it, it, it's it's likely that the governor has a, a an independent study commission now looking at at pensions because he said all along that Chapter 78 was a start, but that additional things need to needed to be done to reduce the state's liability moving forward and. I would imagine that we'll be hearing soon the results of that, or at least some preliminary results of the study groups look at at ways to make the pension efficient uh, pension system less costly and more efficient. What those recommendations will be, I, I can't speculate on, but I I would imagine that those recommendations would come out somewhere around the time that the governor gives his budget address. Um. Listening to you, it seems like we're a little bit, or the governor and the legislature are in a little bit of a bind that they have these obligations, which, as you said, are big numbers. I haven't heard that the state revenue through taxes, whether it's income tax or sales tax, uh, is increasing significantly. So that uh, you're probably we're probably not looking at huge increases in state aid, if at all. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. I mean, I think. Um, it, it's it's interesting because the the, the pension payments and school aid are, are are intertwined because the state spends somewhere between eleven and twelve billion dollars on school aid in total, but but three plus billion of that is is really um, sort of indirect state aid because it's payments made by the state on behalf of local districts and a big chunk of that is is money that the state pays for the employer's share of the teacher's pension and annuity contribution and of the of the potential 2.6 billion dollar hole probably somewhere around 50% of that maybe a little less is attributable to the TPAF payments so if the governor makes the TPAF payments that are required arguably he's funding school aid as it's broken down in the state budget but he's not putting any more money into the formula aid account. So it's it's kind of six of one and a half dozen of the other. What's more important to fund? I'm sure teachers want their pensions funded, but 
local administrators and local boards of education are interested in having the direct aid programs funded as well. So it's a it's a complicated picture, and it's it like you said, it's it's really tied to what the state's revenue picture looks like. Uh, from my experience, and you can just uh, uh, you know comment on this. It seems that whenever, and not just this governor, any governor proposes their budget, uh, that number is pretty much, I mean, there's some tinkering, but that number that they put in there is, always seems to be about what's spent. Uh, and the revenue, yeah, I, I it doesn't change right. all that much after that. Well, I mean, the, the, the governor has to put forward a budget um, a couple of months before the state's single largest revenue, the income tax, is finally tabulated. So when when the governor puts his budget forward to the legislature in February, the, the, the treasurer is making his best estimate of what the revenues will be through the end of the year. Um, that being said, um, there's there's often been somewhat of a discrepancy between what what's estimated in the budget and, and what the actual revenues are. But the big numbers, the big accounts like school aid and some of the other larger spending items in the budget are are pretty much not changed subsequent to to the governor's budget address. Part of that is because when when districts do their budgets, they're operating under assumptions based on the numbers they receive in in, in the school aid presentation that accompanies the governor's budget. Um, later on in the year, tax rates are struck, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very difficult to change dramatically school aid numbers without creating a whole sequence of other issues. So historically, the governor's proposal for school funding has been largely the number that ended up with some minor changes in, in allocations in the appropriations bill that comes at the end of June. So the, the next thing after he proposes budgets, obviously there'll be budget hearings in, in the legislature with the budget committees. Uh, but the next date that you kind of look at then uh, is uh, the income tax revenue in April. Right, right. The, 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 obviously, the, the people who owe money tend to make the payments as late as possible, and so so the, so the big the big payers will 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 make their payments closer to April fifteenth. And the, and the, the the division of taxation and the Department of Treasury does a does a true up. In other words, they they look at what the final collections were um, after April 15th, and then they can compare that number to what they estimated the collections would have been earlier in the year. And that that information becomes available usually somewhere around the early part of May, the first or second week of May, and and that's also about the time that the appropriations hearings conclude, and then the legislature is tasked with taking the governor's budget and putting it into the form of an appropriations bill. There, that process is informed by what they've gotten from the, from the testimony in the hearings with the, with the cabinet members and also with, with what the actual better revenue estimates are. So um, it's a process that unfolds over several months, and we won't know for sure um, what the actual numbers are until, A, we get the, the, the income tax collections information in, in late April, and, and the, uh, the legislature actually takes the governor's budget and puts it into the form of an appropriations bill, and that's usually not until the early part of June.
And uh, just one final thought on the budget. Uh, the, the appropriations bill uh, is not just uh, – the budget language is not sometimes just all about the money. It's about other things. So certain things can be put in the appropriations bill, the budget bill, that uh, boards should be looking at every once in a while. Well, yeah, I think I think the important thing to know is that um, the appropriations bill is is sort of a, 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 a an omnibus kind of a, a bill that the the legislature has the ability to sort of supersede what's in statute with language provisions that get inserted into the appropriations bill. You'll see a lot of things that say, notwithstanding the provisions of and, and they cite chapter and verse of, of statutes and, and regulations, this is how we're going to handle these spending items in, in the year that follows. That language is in effect for the year in which that Appropriations Act covers. So there are, there are opportunities within the budget process to, to allocate in, in, in a different fashion than, than statutes necessarily say how much money is going to be programmed into various spending areas, and also um, in, in, in deference to the provisions of the statute that say the formula shall work in certain ways, there, there's the ability to change those allocations with the, with the language provisions. So, yeah, we, we pay close attention to that stuff as the, as the appropriations bill is, is, is put forward in early June. Um. Going to the state of the state, uh, he didn't really spend a whole lot of time on education, but the one issue that the governor did kind of point as an issue that he would like to uh, bring to the forefront was choice and uh, the Opportunity Scholarship Act. Uh, you and I both saw Senator Sweeney, and what indication did he give that he thinks it will move? Well, I mean, I, I think he said pretty, pretty matter-of-factly that the Opportunity Scholarship Act won't, won't be voted on in this in this legislative session. Um, uh, that being said, I think the issue is um, school choice is, is, is a concern. I think there are a lot of districts who are participating, and we're hoping that there'd be an increase. But the, the, the program increased so geometrically in the first year or two that given the, the, the fiscal constraints that the state is operating under, it doesn't seem likely that the program will expand dramatically in the next cycle. The Opportunity Scholarship Act really goes a little bit past where the school choice program is because it, 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 gives, it gives parents the opportunity to take the money allocated to their students and use it to, to go to, to private schools or, or sectarian schools. Um, it also potentially would divert a substantial amount of money over time from some of the sources of revenue that the state would use to fund the budget and, and school aid in particular. So there are problems with the Opportunity Scholarship Act that, that we pointed out early on, and we haven't supported the bill and will continue not to. So we we're pretty happy to hear what Senator Sweeney said. Yeah, because if the Senate president kind of indicates he's not going to post it, I guess that means it's not going to move. That pretty much means it's not going to go. That's right. Um, Senator Sweeney, you know, I'll switch a little because he did have some comments on, on some other issues, and I just want you to follow up on that. Uh, he had some concerns with the salary cap, uh, but he thought that yeah. – uh, keep going. You can tell what his uh, thoughts were. Well, I mean, I, I think I think he said that, that he sees it as something that was a mistake. It, it hasn't generated the kind of cost savings that some people thought it would. 
Um, more importantly, it's 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 taken experienced superintendents and sort of chased them out of the state. Um, at, at a time when when there's a lot of education reform issues on the table, we need to have the most experienced chief school administrators, and the superintendent salary cap has made it difficult for for some of the superintendents who who have the opportunity to 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 earn more, et cetera, uh, to stay in in district. And and I think we've seen that there's been a a, a, a large number of superintendents who have opted to go. In, in, into New York or over into Pennsylvania in, in lieu of staying here and having their salaries not just capped, but in many cases substantially reduced. And in the context of local district budgets, um, although we're, we're not talking about inconsequential numbers, as a percentage of the total budget for a district, the, the twenty or $30,000 that we're talking about in, in superintendent salary limitations is somewhat inconsequential in, in terms of the impact on the local levy. And that being said, I think Senator Sweeney thought that, that this really was, was something that was not helping districts in a time when they needed the most experienced people at the helm. So he, he thinks that um, uh, this is something that, that should be rescinded. And he, he, he actually talked about the possibility of, of getting legislation passed and sent to the governor to do such a thing, whether or not that would that would be approved by the governor remains to be seen. But um, our research certainly has indicated that this, the superintendent salary cap hasn't really helped districts in, in the context of of conserving their costs, and, and if anything, has made it more difficult for them because in many cases they've hired interim ad administrators who, although doing good jobs and 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 so on, are only there for two years. So don't have a long-term commitment to implementing a, an education reform plan. So it's, it's, it's really sort of thrown a monkey wrench into district operations, and Senator Sweeney's perspective is we shouldn't have done it. And I think he indicated that uh, there might be a, a legislation, as you said, but that he didn't think that he would have the veto proof to override any uh, veto by the governor, which, he, which is what he thinks will happen. Yeah, I mean, I think he indicated that that some of these things would would occur pretty much on party lines, and 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 so because the the, the Democrats don't have the numbers in either house to override a governor's veto, um, they can pass legislation basically and make a statement about where they are on this, but it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't overturn the law because of the fact that the governor will likely veto it. But I mean, that's that's all. Speculative. It's it, it's possible the governor could rethink this. I don't I don't know. Um, I mean he he's made it pretty clear he thought it was a good idea when he did it, and I haven't heard anything that would indicate that he's changed his mind. But um, in the context of all the other issues out there, it's it's really hard to speculate. Um, and uh, the the governor also made a statement, and uh, I think Sweeney confirmed this is that uh, while the Democrats might support a millionaire's tax. Uh, any type of income tax would not he would veto. Yeah, I mean, I think he's made it clear uh, and abundantly so during the, his his tenure as governor that he is not interested in increasing the income tax. Um, the, the the there are there are fiscal issues that the state has to deal with and that that are are ultimately going to require some more revenue. But in fairness to the governor, I think he's made the point early on that that. Part of the discussion has to focus on what are our priorities, 
and how do we know that we're allocating the resources that we already have appropriately? So, I mean, there's a there's 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 going to need to be some compromise here because it's it's very possible that the state's revenue stream isn't adequate to cover its costs. In fact, some people would argue it's clear because they're not able to fund the pension scheme, etc. But that being said, uh, the the other side of the uh, of the equation is what are our priorities and how do we allocate resources? And and I think that that's going to be a longer-term part of the discussion in terms of what we do with the money that we currently have. I think the the increase in revenues that, that, that the millionaire's tax or, or the so-called millionaire's tax would generate wouldn't even cover the entire amount of the, of the, of the pension shortfall. So um, that's only part of the equation in terms of dealing with some of the fiscal problems the state has to address. And, and there's been a lot of a lot of press recently about the the need to 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 refund the uh, the transportation trust fund to reauthorize the transportation trust fund, which helps the state to leverage the maximum amount of money from the federal government for for highway construction and maintenance. So, I mean, that's another huge issue that that, that is looming that that may require some compromise on the part of the governor and the legislature in terms of revenue increases and. With that on the table, it's hard to say that there's going to be a discussion about increasing other revenue streams as well. So it's a it's a complicated picture right now. Uh, are there any other issues that are like moving under the radar that uh, boards might want to be aware of? Uh, you know, sometimes well, there's. I think... Keep yeah, going. I, I think the the the, uh, the the one issue that that not all boards are focused on at the moment is the fact that. Um, the other part of the equation I mentioned earlier, Chapter 78, the legislation that was passed in 2011 reformed the, 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 the pension scheme, but it also reformed the, the law that, that stipulates what the health benefit contributions have to be. Um, for those districts who have contracts that are expiring and, and or are in Tier 4, the phase-in of, the, of the, uh, the, the health benefits contributions, um, in this in this cycle, in June of 2015, the requirement to pay more than 1.5% of the health benefit contribution sunsets, and it's now subject to collective bargaining. So I think that as districts enter a point where they've they've reached the phase in of the of the of the fourth tier of the of the uh, health benefit contributions, and they're in the process of negotiating contracts that go beyond that period. Um, there will be a lot of discussion, I'm sure, at the bargaining table about what the health benefit contribution should mm-hmm. be. And that's, that's a big issue that, that is sort of under the radar screen somewhat because districts have been able to save substantial amounts by virtue of increasing the, the, the copay for health benefits. And if, if they're not successful in negotiating the continuation of those copays, that creates a, a revenue drain on, on, on their budgets that they're going to have to address by, by making adjustments in their spending plan somewhere else. So that's the kind of thing that I think we're going to be following very closely. And although it doesn't impact all the boards right now, eventually it will. So it's something that everybody should be aware of. Yeah, and we'll actually be doing a, a, probably a blog talk uh, program just on that, on the preparing for negotiations for our listeners. Uh, before I move on to uh, political speculation a little bit, uh, 
you know, we talked about the veto in in terms of uh, superintendent salary caps, but sometimes the veto has worked to uh, school board's favor. Subcontracting has recently been passed, not recently, but has been passed in the legislature, but that's been vetoed. Uh, is that going to come back again? I, I think that it probably will, considering that it's come up in in, in several of the last legislative sessions consecutively. Um, the idea here that that local boards of education would would have some substantial restrictions on their ability to to contract out for for uh, cafeteria, janitorial, housekeeping services, etc., um, is is one that's problematic for us. I, I think that. In fairness, I don't think any board necessarily wants to 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 reduce the workforce and and contract out for services. But the districts that have done so over the years have have done so in order to maximize the amount of money they could spend in the classroom. So um, the legislature has been inclined to pass these bills, and and this governor has consistently vetoed them. Um, I, I I see no reason to believe that that won't continue as we move into the next legislative cycle. Um, one of the things, and he, the governor kind of joked about it in the State of the State, is that he'll be back next year uh, at the State of the State. Um, there, Obviously, I think the undercurrent, the political undercurrent, uh, was is he going to run for president? I think most observers are thinking that he might. But um, did you get the indication that he's staying in as governor with that one line he yeah, I mean, put he in there? The, the the way he said it, he said, I'll be back here next year doing this speech. So, so I mean, that doesn't mean he is or isn't running for president. It's almost a separate issue. I think there, there was a lot of speculation early on that if the governor decided to run for president, that he would step down as governor and devote his time full-time to a campaign for the presidency. I think it, recently he's made it pretty clear that he has no desire to step down from his position as governor. Um, the the statement that he made at, at, at the State of the State address could be interpreted in many ways, but I think that it, it, on face value it sounds to me like if he does decide to run for president, he sees no reason to leave his office of governor early. Um, things may change, and we can't we can't speculate three months or six months into the future as to what might happen. But right now it seems like if he's planning to run for president, he doesn't see being a governor as an impediment. And, in fact, I think he's made it very clear he enjoys this position and intends to serve out his term. So um, he, he'll, he'll be governor, all other things being equal, into the beginning of January 2018 because the, the the gubernatorial election in New Jersey is always the year after the presidential election. So the election for president is in November of 2016. The, the, the gubernatorial election is 2017. And the new governor that's elected then would be sworn in in January of 2018. If the governor runs for president and wins, then he'd obviously be leaving a year early. But, I mean, it's it's far too early to speculate on anything like that. So right now... We have to assume that all things being equal, the governor's going to be here at least through the next cycle, perhaps not not any longer than that, or perhaps through his full term. It all depends on what happens nationally, and I mean, I, I can't even begin to speculate on that. Uh, just for uh, informational purposes, if he did resign, then 
De- uh, I, actually, I guess it would depend on the, when he decides to resign, if, it, if he did run for president. Uh, and then uh, the lieutenant governor would become governor, and then we'd have to have a special election at some point. If he if he was was to resign, um, let's say he was to resign his position as governor in July, then there's there's a general election next November. There would be a special election added to the ballot for governor, and Lieutenant Governor Guadana would serve out as governor until the special election when we would elect a, a new governor to serve out the unexpired term of, of Governor Christie. Um, but that all, it all depends on, on when and if he leaves. If he, if he leaves in, in, in anticipation of running for president in 2016 and he leaves in, in, in early 2016, then, then the lieutenant governor would serve out the term of, of the governor until the general election in 2016. So the, the, the idea that there's a special election looming is only contingent on, on the governor leaving before his term expires. And right now it's, it's way too early to say that. Yeah. Um, but if it does happen, I'm sure there will be a lot of conversations on that. Uh, I have to oh, go back to Will. Yeah. Um, I will uh, – I, I forgot to ask you one question going back. Uh, in the previous last year or so, um, there seems to have been a lot of talk about uh, charter school uh, legislation and reform, looking at how they're approved and all that. Um, is there anything on the horizon? I've heard a lot of discussion, but I haven't seen anything moving through the legislature, uh, at least quickly. Well, yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, Senator Ruiz has a bill on the Senate side, which which she had introduced and had a hearing for discussion purposes only back in November. Um, and and there's been no further discussion about when or if that bill would be would be posted for a formal hearing to be released for a, for a vote in the full Senate. On the Assembly side, uh, Assemblyman Dignan had had proposed for introduction. A bill to reform the the, the the charter the original charter school law, um, and and Assemblyman Singleton had also introduced a, a bill um, to to make some changes in the charter school law. Um, we've had some meetings with with both of their staffs to talk about some of the concerns and some of the issues that that we that were raised in those bills. But um, right now, I, I I don't believe that either of these bills are going to be moved quickly, although it's quite likely that, that there could be a charter school reform bill posted before the end of June of this legislative session. So something is looming in the short term, but we have no no information as to a specific time frame, probably something within the next several months, but but right now it's, it's, it's purely speculative. Um, Certainly, the, the the legislation that that's that's out there, it, I think we could largely support. Um, but there are some issues that that were raised in the past about some of the aspects of charters that that neither of these bills at the current time will address. Um, the idea of having a separate authorizing panel is an interesting one. Whether that would lead to an increase in the number of applications, etc., hard to say. Um, and the Department of Education would have to weigh in on, on 
with their thoughts about about some of the amendments that have been proposed as well. But absent a formal hearing on any of these bills, um, we haven't heard from all the players yet. So there's still some time to go before any of this happens. And it seems that um, two more things on this charter school. It seems that none of these bills are going to really look at the house charter schools are funded, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think the idea that um, charter schools siphon off a, a substantial amount of money that, that the students who leave districts to attend charter schools are, are allocated um, is, has been a longstanding issue for us. I mean, we've, we've tried to figure out a way to work out some, some compromise. Um, I, I think that there are issues related to um, providing resources for charters for facilities, that, that, that remain to be addressed in, in a clear fashion. Um, and and this, this whole issue that, that was created by the, the, the original charter school law remains largely unaddressed in, in the proposed bills that I've looked at. Um, that, that will be the, the major thrust of the discussion if the bills are posted for a formal hearing, I'm sure. So the consensus, uh, you know, seems to be that the original charter school law, which is, I guess, is 16, 17 years old now. Um, uh, roughly, lost, yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably needs to be modified. I think there seems to be agreement on that. But how to modify it, people are just coming at it from different angles. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a year or two ago there was a lot of discussion about the whole concept of virtual education and, and online schools and virtual charter schools. That, those issues remain unaddressed in, in, in the draft bills that I've seen thus far. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of stuff that that um, remains to be to be discussed before we move forward. And um, some of the some of the, the the proposed changes in in the in the draft bills that I've seen really are are, are focused on the the regulatory process and and requiring that, that, that charters comply more than they do now with with the requirements that, that that operating public schools are required to comply with in terms of DOE regulations, et cetera. And, and I, I think that the idea of separate authorizers is one that, that the verdict's not in on. I, I think the process on, under which the commissioner has final say uh, from my opinion, it seems to have worked fairly well. Um, I'm sure that there are people out there who think otherwise, but that's going to be a, another part of the discussion as we move forward. Okay. Uh, as we uh, get towards the end, is there any uh, issues that you think board members should just focus in on or what should be their focus outside of the budget? I guess the budget would be the, the most important thing. Oh, I think I think right now, going into a time period when when resources are tight, I've, I've had conversations with several board members in the last few weeks, and I think that it's important for for boards to to look at 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 their 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 resources and their allocation of resources, with the assumption that they're probably not going to have everything that they want. And that being said, it's important for boards collectively to work with their superintendents and their administrative staff to really have a good sense of what the district's priorities are. Because if you can't pay for everything that you want to pay for, you need to make sure that you've allocated resources in a way that reflects the things that are most important to you. Um, 
I think that the whole idea of a strategic planning exercise that focuses on spending priorities is an important one right now because um, we've had it, just had an election in November and there are a lot of new board members across the state. I think a good way to, to sort of get up to speed on, on, on district spending is to, is to have the conversations about what are the priorities and what are the most important things districts need to do. I think there are a lot of costs that are attached to some of the education reform initiatives like, like, like the new testing and, and, and the technology costs associated with that. We're still in the only the beginning stages of implementing the Teach NJ teacher evaluations and the costs associated with those. I think out there, somewhat in the distance, but not any less important, is the idea of getting districts to a place where they feel that their buildings are as secure as they can be in light of all the recent stuff that's gone on around the country. And I think that some of the fixes may be relatively minor, some not, and, and figuring out ways to make sure that, that your operating facilities that, that provide the maximum amount of security for the, the students and, and the staff that are working there is going to be an important issue to factor into the discussion about how resources are allocated moving forward. So um, setting, setting priorities that, that, are, that, that are reflected in your, in your budget plan, I think, is, a, is an important thing for districts to do now. I'm, I'm assuming that if they haven't started yet, they will be soon looking at their budget for the next school cycle. And, and that, that, that idea of having a, a strong sense of what your, what your priorities are from top to bottom, I think, will be very helpful in, in figuring out how, how to allocate scarce resources. Yeah, I would just add to that, too. Most districts, all districts will be going through the park testing uh, pretty soon, I guess within a couple months. Uh, they probably right. at some point should, after the fact, take a look and analyze how their district did, how they implemented it, what were some of the issues they had. And then as an association, we can look to see if there were any statewide issues. Uh, but they should also look at their local issues and see how well they were prepared and how they can improve. And, yeah. Because I mean, uh, right now there's the a lot process, of – keep going. We're in the process of putting together a, a, a technology initiative which will assist districts in, 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 in acquiring the technology they need for, for PARC and, and, and for other aspects of the, of the, 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 the students' learning experience. And hopefully we'll be able to get a, a good sense of where we should be focusing our, our efforts in order to assist districts in getting the technology they need for, for educational programs, period, moving forward. Okay. Uh, Mike, I'd like to thank you for joining me on this program. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That brings us to the end of this program, and I hope that you all enjoyed that. Uh, and as uh, we discussed, uh, keep, in, you know, keep looking in the future, and I think there will be some issues that we have to deal with very quickly as the budget uh, proceeds. And have a good day. Thank you.